0: Welcome back. This is once again Things Christians Want to Know. And I am Nate Johnstone here with Paul Anderson.
1: Hi, Paul. Hello to you, Nate, and hello to our friends. Nice to have you with us today.
0: Hi, friends. <laughs> we can't see you. We 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 sometimes wish we could. Um it'd be fun to have you all in the room, but you are in the room in yes. a sense.
1: We know you are there, at least we hope you are there.
0: So welcome. Um this room that is a bit chaotic. We're not using the rocking horse as a load-bearing tool this time, but we have in the past. Um, <laughs> it, it, is, it is a funny room. If you have a polished, beautiful, professional studio in your mind as to where this is taking place right now, it is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very lived-in um, study in a home. There are toys in the corner. For the grandkids, their toy is actually right in the middle of the room. It's giant fire trucks. I've never seen those before. <laughs> we could use those to hold a mic, maybe. Um, so we're 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 just normal guys uh trying to hang out with you and share some some words of wisdom from the Lord.
1: And on this cool day, you are wearing shorts.
0: <laughs> yes. It is chilly. I still have shorts and I wear sandals. You know, there's a certain point at which I go shorts and I don't go back. I I commit, Paul. Yeah. I commit. (laughs) I don't see my circumstances. Yeah. I don't see the weather that's around me. come on. I see towards the future when it's going to be hotter, (laughs) and I am wearing shorts and sandals today. Okay. My faith. That is is a very silly example and illustration of what we're talking about, which Mm -hmm. is uh, being fueled by the future and living our lives based on God and what God says. Yes. And looking forward to the future, even when the present might look bleak or is really difficult, we look forward knowing that what is ahead is better than what lied behind. We talked about um, the best is yet to come. And I always think of the Jesus' first public miracle, the wedding at Cana, um, where he makes wine, and he makes a bunch of wine, tons of it, actually. And the wedding, you know, uh, first century... Middle Eastern weddings were multi-day affairs, you know, sometimes a whole week, and so this is this has been a long party, so it, and it was so successful that they ran out of wine very embarrassing, kind of a big deal and so Jesus' mom says, hey, make some wine, and he, it's very interesting because he's like, my time hasn't come yet, you know that, mom, and, he, and she just ignores him completely, and tells the stewards, do whatever he tells you to do, uh, and Jesus I imagine just throws up his hands and says, what, what are you going to do? Um, my mom asked me to do it, so I'm going to do it. And he does it. It's so funny. And he makes this wine and Jesus don't make no junky wine. This isn't your communion wine on Sunday kind of wine. Okay. Uh, because the steward drinks it, the guy in charge drinks it. And he's like, you guys are crazy. Everybody else brings out the good wine first when it matters. And then later when everybody's had too much to drink and doesn't know the difference, then they bring out the cheap watered down stuff. But you guys save the best till last. That doesn't make sense. And I've always thought that was a really interesting story and a good, good expectation, that God saves the best for last. Mm
1: -hmm. The
0: best is always yet to come, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, even if that's not how the way most people do it. That is how the way God does it. Um, And it's it's very interesting, and it, it, it it's one of the things that gives us hope. I think you're going through something tough. You have a difficulty. God can not only come through in your situation, but he can work that situation for good such that it'll end up being better that that terrible situation happened than if it did not. It was good that Goliath came against the Israelites Mm -hmm. because they they played the champion game at that time that said, our champion fights your champion instead of the whole armies fighting each other. That way fewer people die. Um, The only problem is the Philistine's champion was a giant. That's not good. Because if we lose, we're still slaves, or at least we have to pay him, you know, most of our crops or whatever. Um, But it was a wonderful, Goliath was a wonderful gift that God gave Israel. Mm -hmm. Nobody saw it that way. Nobody saw Goliath as a wonderful gift, except David. David, just like Joshua and Caleb, looked at Goliath and said, hey, this is great. God's going to take out this one guy. That's all we need to do is take out one guy and we're good. Praise God! This was this was so mm-hmm. merciful of him, and everybody else is freaking out, trying to figure out if they can still run away or not. And David's like, "Guys, you don't get it. This is great news. It couldn't be better. We have a giant." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody probably thought David was a crazy kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's amazing to me that that Saul actually let David fight him. Yes, but I think it was personally. I mean, the Holy Spirit could have spoken to Saul, but. I suspect it was because David was the only one who had an attitude of victory. The only one. Mm-hmm. And Saul, wisely saw Saul saw that and wisely said, you know, he's the only one who seems to think God can do this, so maybe he's right. Maybe we'll let him give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I think we're all in trouble and let's try to sneak out the back with some of the china, you know? <laughs> um, and of course, David takes out Goliath. No problem, because God was yeah. with him. And so Goliath... Everybody saw Goliath as a horrible thing. A horrible, horrible giant. Huge problem. Oh no, I lost my job. You know? Oh no, my kids' school zones changed and now they have to move to a new school. Oh no, this happened, that happened. So many things like that. Big problems we have in life. And God sometimes has sent us those big problems intentionally.
1: It's a setup. Yeah. It's a divine setup.
0: Not as a test but as a path for us to get something. Mm-hmm. David killed Goliath and he got all of his stuff. He got his sword and he got a job in the palace. He got out of the fields. He was still in the fields, even though he had been anointed king by Samuel. You're going to be the next king, David. Okay. But tomorrow he's back with the sheep and the stink.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what's going on, God? You told me I had this amazing future and now I'm stuck in the fields. What, what's the deal? Well... Goliath was the path to go from what was he was called to to what he was actually doing now which was still in the fields and so goliath was a gift but nobody saw it Yep, just like the ten spies and the whole group of israelites didn't see it but joshua and caleb saw it and i pray that we can all become people who see it who see what joshua and caleb and david saw who see the potential of god who see what it is that God is doing, who see with the eyes of faith and not just with natural eyes. David wasn't a moron. He knew Goliath was enormous and he had no chance of beating him in actual battle. Okay. But he also knew that God was more powerful and he saw how cocky Goliath was. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I'm going to go for this. I I love it. It's, It's great. And we see this, this idea of being filled, fueled by the future. We see it all throughout scripture. It's really everywhere. We started talking a couple of weeks ago about New Testament, but now we've been going through Old Testament stuff. It's really all over the place. I like it.
1: Nate, that was a very good summary. <laughs> I liked what you did there. And I'm thinking of a verse and I'm looking at it right now because you're right. Those two spies, they were so positive. They were so faith-filled. This is what they said in Numbers 14. I'd read this a couple of weeks ago. If the Lord delights in us, listen to how positive. He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of this land. Remember, the people are giants, mm-hmm. for they are bread for us. <laughs> we're going to take them. Yeah. They're gonna, we're going to eat them. Eat them alive their protection is removed from them and the lord is with us do not fear them what a great statement
0: that's the exact right attitude the exact right attitude so they had the mindset that we're looking for it's absolutely wonderful and we need to get there yes we need to get to the place where when we see our giants we don't think oh no This is going to be horrible. I hope God helps out. When we see giants, we say, Hey, hey, hey. here's an opportunity for me to get a reward, to move on, to get up to the next level. For those of us who played video games growing up or still do to get to a new level in the game, you always have to beat the boss at the end of the level who's gigantic and hard and really, really difficult. Right. Usually you have to face them multiple times because you keep dying. Um, but you have to fight the giant to move on. Yes. And usually you fight the giant you get some secret special reward that then helps you in the next level. And that is how video games work. And I love that because that's how life works. Mm-hmm. That's what life is like. Yes. You have to pass the tests. You have to fight the giants. You have to face the bad guys in order to move on. And then when you do, a whole new world opens up to you that you didn't see before. But if you are afraid and run away, you're never going to get to the next level in the game if you don't fight the giant, yeah, because you're too afraid.
1: So I am looking at this theme of fueled by the future, and there are at least three things that will happen to those who live that way, mm-hmm. who live fueled by the future. First is that they will learn not to worry. Mm-hmm. Second, they will not get discouraged. And third, they will be able to turn tests into a testimony. And I know you've thought a lot about that first one about not worrying about living in the peace of God. So why don't you share some things about that?
0: Yeah, sure, I can do that. Um, in the future, we're in the future. Uh, we will do a whole series on peace and how to live in peace and how to live without stress. I believe very strongly that. As Christians, we do not need to experience the negative effects of stress or worry or anxiety in our life at all. And doctors now say that stress is probably one of the leading causes of most diseases. And we don't need to experience those negative effects Mm. as Christians at all. We have a get-out-of-stress-free card, get-out-of-anxiety-and-worry-free card. It's just that most of us never use that card.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: We were given it, and we stuck it in our pockets, and we forgot about it, and it went through the washing machine, and now we don't even know where it is. Um, but we can get out of it. Jesus, in Matthew 6, Matthew 6, starting with verse 25, it starts out with the incredible statement of Jesus, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Wow. No problem, Jesus. <laughs> I, can, I can get that one nailed down in an afternoon. Don't be anxious about my life. That... That's hard. Paul Paul says the exact same thing. Don't be anxious about anything. Yes. Whoa, that's that's not easy to fulfill. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet Jesus here in Matthew six, he just he lays it out actually very logically. This is one of the most logical arguments that Jesus makes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't usually go for logic, uh, but this one's very logical. And he talks. You all know the, you know the lilies of the field and and the birds of the air and all those things, that um, how much more value are you than they, even though God takes care of them? And he he really lays it out very logically. Verse 27, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? So worry doesn't help you. Worrying about the future doesn't help you. It doesn't add any time to your life. And I think that's Jesus actually... Um, hinting at the fact that anxiety kills you, Mm -hmm. which is what doctors tell us today. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the leading causes of cancer, heart disease, you name it, is stress. The negative chemical effects of stress on the body. And so not only can you not add a single hour to your life by worrying about tomorrow, but you will shorten your life by worrying about tomorrow, is I think what he's hinting at here. And he talks about, why are you anxious about food, clothing? Like, God takes care of everybody. God's certainly going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about this stuff. Um, I like verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, tomorrow's already got trouble. Mm -hmm. You don't need to add to tomorrow's trouble by being worried about it today. Not only does that add to tomorrow's trouble, but then it ruins today because you're busy worrying about it today. It's just logically incoherent. Don't do it. It makes no sense. It's a very logical argument that Jesus lays out, and I love it. Nobody follows it. Literally nobody does this. (laughs) And it's hilarious to me. It's like, it's so simple. We all worry about money, though. We all worry about money. We all worry about provision. We all worry about making ends meet. We all worry about what we're going to do and what is tomorrow going to bring. I think one of the biggest problems of people overcoming this Fear of the future, like you're never going to become fueled by the future until you first overcome the fear of the future, because I think most people are afraid of it. We already talked about that in relation to the Israelites; they were so afraid of the future they'd rather go back and be slaves. And Jesus is recognizing that this is is the case. He's been observing, after all, mankind from the beginning. He knows what we're like. We're afraid of the future. We fear the unknown. And Jesus is saying, "Look, yes, tomorrow we'll have trouble." So again. There will be suffering in life. You will not avoid suffering. You will not avoid trouble. You will not avoid problems. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, worry is not going to help. Instead of worrying, trust in God. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. And the two are mutually exclusive. You cannot trust in God and worry. Mm -hmm. If you worry, it is proof that you do not trust God. And again, going back to the Israelites, they were constantly worried, constantly complaining. Complaining is a symptom of worry.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're
0: not sure whether or not you're worried, are you complaining? If you're complaining, you're worried, which means you're not trusting God, period. And the, all that's all the Israelites did was complain. And then they worried and worried. And it came to a head there when the spies came back. They they worried so much about tomorrow that they, they didn't even want to go to tomorrow. They wanted to go back to yesterday. Mm-hmm. Debilitating. It ended their future. It cut them off. Ironically, their fear of the future is what really kept them from even having one, yes. which is so, so sad. And so Jesus says, look, don't do that. Don't. Trust me instead of worry. It's a very simple choice. It's a math problem. You do A or B. And most of us, most Christians, in my opinion, choose to worry rather than trust God most of the time. And that really saddens me because we don't need to live that way we can live so much better than that we can live in in trust but in order to do that we have to do what we've been talking about the last few weeks and be renewed in our minds and have that focus on god and not on our circumstances and what's around us mm-hmm. and remember jesus when he's saying this he's saying this to people who lived pretty close to the subsistence level of life these aren't rich people these aren't americans in the 21st century okay mm-hmm. these are people that if the crops don't come in we don't have food We die. That's a lot of his audience. And so to say, don't worry about what you'll eat tomorrow, that's actually a pretty big deal to them. They are worrying about what they're going to eat tomorrow because they don't know if there will be enough to eat tomorrow. And so even to people in those extreme circumstances, he's saying, do not worry. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Worry is bad for you. And it certainly isn't helpful. And worry is one of the things we do when we fear the future. We, we automatically worry. And it's the antithesis of trusting God. And we see that, again, with, with Caleb and Joshua. They trusted God, therefore they saw the future as it really was. Mm-hmm. The rest of them did not trust God, therefore they did not see. And all they had left was worry. I think worry is what naturally fills the vacuum when there isn't trust in God. I don't think we have to choose to worry. I think we have to actively not worry. W- worry fills the vacuum. Any vacuum Mm -hmm. in us that doesn't, isn't filled by trust and faith in God is automatically consumed by worry, which is why it's possible if we're not careful to find ourselves really hysterical (laughs) with worry, Mm -hmm. especially when difficult things come. When we're we're in the ambulance on the way to Children's Hospital with the baby who's seven weeks old, which happened to me, (laughs) you know, that is a time where you can really let worry run wild. Mm -hmm. And your thoughts about the future need to be very closely reined in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sitting in an ambulance with your baby, that's when you need to take every thought captive in obedience to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Because those those thoughts about the future are not good. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can choose in those moments to trust God. And to say, hey, and this is what I chose to do. God, my son's in your hands. He's seven weeks old. I don't believe you brought him here for him to die. So I'm giving him into your hands. And even if he does die, I'm still going to trust you. Mm -hmm. And that was unpleasant, not easy. But God got us through it. After Mm -hmm. my seven-week-old wasn't puffed up like this anymore and went back down to normal size, um, he got through it. And it was maybe a miracle. I don't know. The doctors weren't sure what happened, and they weren't sure how we got better. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it was a, a combination of God and medicine or just a straight-up miracle, I don't know. I praise God either way, <laughs> mm-hmm. for, whichever, for whichever one it was. But when we're challenged like that, our, our outlook of the future becomes really, really important. That's when we need to stand like Caleb and Joshua stood, and like David stood, um, and like so many other in the Bible have stood. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 when he says, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. It doesn't help. It only hurts. Instead, trust. And I think if people realize that you can't trust, you can't worry if you're trusting, I think that would be, that's a sobering thought. Because a lot of people will say, oh, I trust God, and yet They're consumed by worry about the future. And my response is, no, you don't. You don't. You might trust God in a macro sense. Yes, I trust God. But you don't trust God about this specific situation. Because if you trusted God about this specific situation, you wouldn't worry. There would be no room for worry. Um, But when the rubber meets the road, it's easy to say and harder to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So worry is one of the things that comes from this. You mentioned others. <clears throat> discouragement. Yep, And we've done a whole series on discouragement, but do you wanna give a, just a quick recap of what that? Is?
1: Sure. We often feel it's our right or it just happens. It just happens. We lose our courage. We become discouraged and it just happens. But I don't think it just happens. I think we choose it. I think we choose to invite discouragement in. And if we are fueled by the future, if we have an attitude, if our mind is being renewed and we're living in faith, I have discovered that it's possible to say no to discouragement and not to live with discouragement. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe Joshua and Caleb were doing. They were saying no to discouragement and yes to a God who was going to take them through, no matter what how difficult it was, no matter how difficult it was to fight those giants or to get into the land. So I urge people, and you have heard me talk about this and teach about it, that you don't have to give in. Discouragement isn't an emotional uh, frame of mind that, that the circumstances seem to call for. In fact, I can say no to discouragement and I like to do a hand signal that when discouragement knocks at the door and the circumstances seem to call for it, I reach forth my hand and I turn the handle on the door uh, because I want to I want to activate this. I want to activate faith by saying I'm locking the door to discouragement. And that pleases God because the circumstances, as we've said, we're, we're not to go under the circumstances. We're to live above the circumstances. And discouragement, I think, pulls us under. And as I see in the life of Elijah and... John the Baptist, discouragement didn't do anything good for them. Mm-hmm. It took him out of the battle. Yeah. Elijah was, was on a roll. He, he took out the prophets, and he should have taken out Jezebel. She set a contract on his life, and he started running. What? Elijah? Yeah. He's going south. He's running. What in the world is going on? He got afraid, and he got discouraged, and he wanted to die. He got suicidal. What was going on there? And the same thing happened to to John in a little different way. John had the greatest revelation of Jesus of anyone. He said when he saw him, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He saw it. Mm -hmm. He saw it clearly. But now he's behind bars. Sadly, he never sees daylight again. And he said, Are you... He who is to come, or shall we look for another? What? John the Baptist said that? He was not seeing very clearly. Discouragement took him out. Yeah. When you are fueled by the future, you see clearly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you live by faith. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we're inviting you who are listening to us into. A life free from anxiety and worry, and a life free from discouragement. And Father, we're asking you to do that in us, in our listeners, that you release them into a life where they do not have anxiety and where they can overcome discouragement.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.